Welcome back to the D3 Golf Guys podcast. Welcome to round three, where we have had a really, really interesting and exciting day on both the men's and the women's side. But also, we've had a bit of controversy where the uh, the LSU Regional in the Division I ranks was canceled. Now, I'm not going to come out on a real hard stance here, but I actually have experience at this. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. My sophomore year, we were going to win conference. And we went out to Texas, and it rained for three days. It is the most heartbreaking thing in the world, but we didn't think we could play. We It poured down rain. We could see running water everywhere. It was, we never even got back to the golf course. We were on, I think I was the first guy out. I was six holes in. And we never got back to the golf course. So I can totally relate to that. Now, we weren't seniors, and it wasn't an NCAA regional, but it was conference. There was no automatic qualifiers back then, so it still didn't was not going to get us into the national championship. The thing that my issue is here is, it, you know, usually if there's one team that's kind of gripe or one person that gripes, I kind of go, okay, whatever. There's too many people saying too many things that this was not right. And I saw... The committee chair get on and say, well, we would have had to make it a par 65, and we just didn't think that that was. It, it's the same course for everybody. But I'm also hearing coaches who I have a tremendous amount of respect for who are like, we could have played 27 this one. They canceled and left everything out. We could have played in the afternoon. We could have played in the other one. There was another gap. We could have gotten 27, 27, and bent, had 54 holes in, no problem. There's been enough noise and enough other coaches who I have enough respect for that it feels like this was not handled very well. Um, you know, I, do I think we should make decisions on 18 holes? No, I don't. I, I think anything can happen in 18 holes. I hate 18 hole things that make those big decisions, but I would still would have rather have seen 18 holes than than nothing. Um, you know, I, I just this is another example of things being handled poorly. And it comes off in the same light where we have the women's tournament and for the NCAA basketball tournament where there's no weight room, no, no equivalent weight room. And some of the best you know, college golf writers in the country, they're reaching out to talk to people. They don't get it. It all goes to TV. And so what does that tell you? It tells you that this is about controlling the message and not really addressing the people who matter the most and where things you know, kind of get into there. So... You know, I think it's really unfortunate, and it, it's one of the other reasons why when we have the conversation about regionals, and we'll have that, you know, this summer a- after the tournament, we'll, we'll come back and address that, is it brings up this this issue, is regionals can get rained out, and then what do you do? And, you know, we've we've had that problem with the NCAA Nationals before for the, for the Division Three. It was a few years ago when, uh, you know, somebody else is in the lead, and then we wash out day four and we go back to day three because we waited to tee everybody off at the end of the tournament. And that's one of the reasons why the, the ladies' field gets cut after round three. And then we make sure we get people out. Um, so I, I you know I, I just think it's it's a sad state of affairs. And I think, you know, we probably need some more independent voices to help run some of these things. Because an independent voice is going to say, yes, we're going to do it. Here's where we are. And I know there's well-meaning coaches that are trying to do their best. But at some point, this smelled bad from the beginning. 
and it looks worse. And do I think there's you know malcontent here? No, I don't. Um, but I think this was a conspiring of events that just makes it look terrible. There's no way that there should have been no competition. You know, you've got to be looking at the weather. You got to be understanding how that is. But I mean, you know, in the Division Three ranks, you know, I coached in our conference tournament three years ago, and we had a about an hour rain delay, and we got it back out to the course. And the number two players for three different schools had each had a rake in their hand, raking water off the green. I guarantee you, if you'd asked those ladies, hey. We need some help to do this. Every single one of them, every coach, every assistant coach would have happily gone out there and run a pump and done anything else. I don't want to hear that we didn't have the ability to do it. Every one of those ladies would have said, yeah, no problem. We do it all the time. And a whole bunch of tournaments that nobody ever sees. So I think that's a really disappointing thing. And I wanted to at least address it. You know, if there's anything that we can do here at D3 Golf Guys, you know, we're going to support you know, are, are much better off friends in Division One, But you know what? I want to stop talking about that, and I'm going to start talking about how the Division Three teams are playing, and I'm going to start talking about the great performances we're seeing in East Lansing at the wonderful golf course up in Michigan where our Division Three ladies completed the third round today. All right, third round. Nip and tuck between Carnegie Mellon and Methodist to start the round. Well, there for a while, Carnegie Mellon separated pretty good. But it leveled out. Carnegie Mellon chose the best round of the day, 305. Methodist, third round of the day, 308. So they add three more shots. They got a four-stroke lead over Methodist going into the last day. Um, the second round, of the best round of the day was George Fox at 307. So they gain a stroke on Methodist but lose two on Carnegie. So Carnegie's at 61 over. Methodist at 65. George Fox at 71. So 10 shots separating first and third. Now, between third and fourth, there's 21 shots. So George Fox is at 71, Williams College at 92. So f- pretty much it's the winner is one, two, or three. It's Carnegie Mellon, Methodist, or George Fox. Nobody else is going that low or, or anybody else is backing up that much. Williams College has a nice day. They move up to fourth. Redlands moves up to fifth. Center has a very a not very good day. That it's probably they're probably pretty disappointed with how they played. Three twenty eight, they fell down two spots to six. Now they're still in it for fourth, and fourth place gets you a really cool NCAA trophy. So there's a lot still to play for. Um, as we go down the board, you get to the one hundred seven. So there's another gap there. Uh, best move of the day was Emory, who came back to, to life a little bit. You know, I, I'm sure they're kicking themselves for that first round. You know, 344, 321, 313. 313, really good round today. That's the fourth best round on the course. Um, so, again, you know, it's one of those things where you can't win it on the day one, but you can put yourself out of it on day one. So, you know, as we go into tomorrow, it's, it's going to be head-to-head Carnegie Mellon Methodist. And, you know, as we get into kind of looking at who did what, when, and where, and how, you know, again, Charlotte Simpson, who normally plays one for Carnegie Mellon, didn't have another, didn't have a great day. The other big factor here is Alexis, who is, is currently still number two in, in individually. She shot 79. They were really paced by their three, four, five people, 74, 76, 76. So, you know, you could be like, all right, well, Carnegie Mellon didn't have their top horses play well. Well, you know, Jillian Drinker shoots 76. We know she's capable of better than that. 
And Paige Church, after the big comeback round in day two, she comes back with an 81 today. And we know she can play better than that. So Methodist had to count an 80 today as well. So, you know, it's I think I think if I'm looking at this, it's four shots. That's nothing that can happen in a hole. Uh, to me, it's going to be who's going to play better between Charlotte and Alexis from Carnegie Mellon and Jillian and Paige. As I think everybody else is sort of doing their job on the other, on on both teams. Um, you know, right now Carnegie Mellon's got Alexis is you know number two in the tournament. Denise is tied for fifth, and Michelle and Nadia are both tied for twelve. So they got four people inside the t- top twelve. That's outstanding. Methodist has number four, number f- tied for fifth, tied for seventeenth, tied for twenty first, and tied for twenty fourth. So. I think you're going to look at and say, all right, does Paige bounce back like she did on day two? And if she does, the method is going to be hard to beat. Remember, they made up all that ground after after the day after day one. So that's where I think the tournament is. I think the other ter- piece of the tournament you want to keep your eye on is the battle for fourth. Who's going to get that last trophy? I think I think you've got Carnegie Mellon, Methodist, and then Little Space, and then George Fox, and then one more trophy available. Williams, Redlands, Center, I think, are the three that are in it. Williams has the lead right now. They're up three on Redlands and up six on center. So that'll be the that'll be the main story. On the cut line, what we had today was remember we had Rose Holman and Grinnell tied going in. Rose Holman, 326, Grinnell 338. They win by 12 shots today. Pretty cut and dry. That pretty much settled it as we thought it would. There wasn't a whole lot of movement anywhere else. Um, so making the cut, we go, go through the order who made the cut. Carnegie Mellon 1, Methodist 2, George Fox 3, Williams 4, Redlands 5, Center 6, tied for 7th is St. Catherine in Minnesota and Illinois Wesleyan's Ladies, 9th is Emory, 10th is Washington and Lee, 11th is York College, Pennsylvania, 12th is Denison University, 13th is Wisconsin Whitewater, and tied for 14th both in Rose Holman and Texas at Dallas. Missing the cut, Grinnell, St. Mary's College, Indiana, Dubuque, Ithaca, Ohio Northern, Western Westminster College, Marymount, Virginia, St. Scholastia, Catholic University, and Lakeland University. So there's your top 15 will play tomorrow as we go through that process. Let's move over to the individuals and start talking about who's making the cut on the individual side and where the, where the tournament stands individually. With the individuals, Mackenzie Toole created even more space today. She is currently, she shot a brilliant 74 today and has extended her lead. She's at plus four for the tournament. Alexis from Carnegie Mellon is in standalone second at 12 over. So there's an eight shot lead for McKenzie at George Fox. Solo third is Iris Liu from Redlands. She shot another 74. She shot a 74 also today. So it's really good 74s out there today. She's in solo third, up seven, up seven places. Jillian Drinkard is currently in fourth at 15 over. So, you know, Mackenzie's at four over, then Alexis at 12, then Iris two back of that at 14, Jillian one back of that, and then a huge pack of people at plus 17. That include Denise Pan, Ingrid Steingrimson from Methodist, Megan Canaby from Washington Lee, Hunter Kehoe from St. Mary's College, Indiana, Nicole Miller from Bethel, Minnesota, Sarah Shee from Oglethorpe University, your round one leader, and Riley Souter from Center College. Um, you know, so you can you can look at all them and go, wow, this is pretty good playing. They're all right there 
seven ladies tied for fifth. Um, and then you get down to the to the twelves. So it should be a really interesting kind of race for all American and who's going to finish where. I don't know that anybody's going to catch McKenzie. She's gone 76, 70, 74, and she's got an eight-shot lead. So that, that'll be tough. She'll have to open the door to let, let Alexis or Jillian or somebody else back in it, um, which is possible, but I don't, don't doesn't seem very likely. So the individuals that made the cut are... Hunter Kehoe from St. Mary's College, Indiana. St. Mary's didn't make the cut as a team, so Hunter will go as an individual. Nicole Miller from Bethel, who was an original uh, individual. Sarah Shee from Oglethorpe, who will make who was another original um, individual. Nina Cucci from Grinnell, who made it in because Grinnell didn't make the cut. And Danielle Bambola from SUNY Cortland, who I think was also another uh, original individual that came in. So... Right there, you've got five. The last one is Shriaganta from Christopher Newport, who also had come to nationals as an individual. So great playing by those ladies. They will continue on for the final round tomorrow. As we look forward to tomorrow, I, I you know I think there's going to be a really cool battle here for the top three, four, five, six, seven spots individually. On the team side and the ladies' side, it's going to be Carnegie Mellon, Methodist, again, Mono Imano with George Fox kind of in the mix as well. You know, I th- I think Carnegie's got a ten shot lead on George Fox. If if for some reason Carnegie backs up, then ev- then those three are in it to the end. If Carnegie gets out to a lead like they did again today, it may be hard for George Fox to really try to win it. But I still think Methodist has the firepower to make up four shots. So that will be a very tight, close final pairing that will be coming around is that's going to be exciting to watch i i hope there's a really big crowd waiting on the 18th hole for all those ladies to finish because that's going to be an exciting finish all right with that let's move over to the men's side for the men really interesting day of golf we had some really good big moves made um trinity university had the biggest move today they moved up six spots up into the 10th on a 299 today, and you know the Trinity guys are probably kicking themselves for that 313 on day one. Then they go with 291, 299. You know if they just shoot 300, they're they're a lot closer up this list, and they're probably sniffing the top five. Uh, Willamette University had another good move up today. They shot 297 as well. They moved up five spots. Uh, round of the day until the very end was Emory. Who moved up three spots with their 290? Which is rock solid playing. Uh, they're they're in currently a standalone fifth. But look, the the whole thing we talked about today was Illinois Wesleyan and Methodist, and Methodist didn't disappoint. They shot 297 today. You know they they would have liked to have played better, but 297 isn't anything that you feel like you're going to get your doors blown off, except for the fact that Illinois Wesleyan shot 287 and put 10 more shots between them. So Illinois Wesleyan is your leader with 15 over. Methodist is in second at 30 over, a 15-shot lead. Now, why is that important? Well, if you go look at the hole-by-hole of the scores that counted today, starting at the 13th hole through the end of the round, of the scores that counted, Illinois Wesleyan was 7 under. Methodist was 6 over. That's a 13-shot swing. So in those last six holes... You basically have Illinois Wesleyan's lead right there. 
So tomorrow going in, it's going to take either Denison, Guilford, or Methodist to do something similar to where they go on an absolute tear of 7-8 under and hope that Illinois Wesleyan goes 6-7 over in order to really make this thing to where it gets interesting. So a 15-shot lead, is a that's a pretty big lead, especially for the team who shot the best round of the day coming into today. Um, we'll get into the individuals, but Illinois Wesleyan's individuals are right up there ready to try to win this thing as well. But another nice... So going back to the order, Illinois Wesleyan... Methodist, then Denison in third. They move up a spot, getting in front of Guilford. Nice round today, 290 for, out of Denison. Really good playing there. They're at 32, so they're only two back of Methodist. Three back of them is Guilford, who moves down a spot, but James Michoud came back today and was, was playing really well. I, I think they, they they cruised in a little bit. They were going a little better earlier today, uh, 295. And then we have Emery, solo fifth, Carnegie Mellon sixth, Huntington seventh, and then you get back into the other one. So tomorrow, you know, what I'm looking at is, all right, how's 2-3-4 going to sift out? Because I'm not sure anybody's going to catch Illinois Wesleyan. I mean, they, they put the hammer down today. And then the last six holes to to create that big a swing is is huge. And that's huge momentum going into tomorrow. You know, if, if they come out and shoot, you know, 300, you, you, Methodist has to shoot better than 285. They have. They shot 281 in the second round. But, of course, Illinois Wesleyan hasn't shot over 290 yet. So if, if they shoot 295, you got to break 280. It, it, it just, the math gets hard. All right, let's jump into the individuals. Okay, so Andre Chi was leading for Methodist, but he comes out with a 77 today. He backs up to plus two for the tournament. Remember, he was four under yesterday. So now we have four players tied for first. This is why this is going to be really exciting on the individual side. We have Mark Mitchell from Denison, who goes, his last three rounds are 72, 71, 71. Jimmy Morton from Illinois Wesleyan, who goes 70, 71, 73. Will Hawker from Webster, who goes 69, 72, 73. And Andre, who backed up today, but he goes 72, 65, 77. One shot back of those four is our guy Rob Retrick from Illinois Wesleyan at plus three, who went 72, 71, 72. Then you have another Illinois Wesleyan guy tied for sixth and Ethan Wilkins. And by the way, if you haven't clicked on Ethan Wilkins on Golfstat, he has the greatest picture in the history of Division Three pictures on Golfstat ever. It, it will be very hard to beat. Because I believe he is enjoying a bucket of KFC with none other than the wonderful coach, Jim Ott. But it is the greatest picture of all time. If you haven't seen it, go do it. If they end up winning it, I'm going to put it up a whole bunch to say, this is the guy who helped Illinois Wesleyan win a national championship. It's great. Tied with Ethan is Cooper Rayback from Methodist. So, you know, Methodist got two guys inside the top six. The problem is Illinois Wesleyan has three guys inside the top six. Then you go uh, Rob Kinder from Christopher Newport at at solo eighth. He's six over. So I mean, Rob from Christopher Newport. He's four back. He's four out of first place. That that could happen in a blink of an eye tomorrow. Now the problem is, is as you get down further down the list, there's just more players up here. You got four guys at number one. Somebody's going to play well tomorrow. But tied for ninth are two teammates: Carnegie Mellon, Jason Lee, and Jason Folker. 
And then in the 11th, you have Jacob Peterson from Gustavus, who's one of the individuals, Grant Gronka from Huntington, and Alex Kubik from Nebraska Wesleyan. And so now you're kind of getting a little further away. Six shots back, that's probably too far. I, I don't think anybody further back than that. In fact, I would say a tie for ninth might be as far back as I go. Jason Lee's the currently the third-ranked player from Golfstat. I mean, he could go crazy low tomorrow and try to get back in this thing, but... I think your winner comes out of the top five. I think it's the four tied for a first and Rob Retrick at one back of that. You know, three shots is a big is a bigger lead in the individual than it is in the team. And I just don't think I think the the numbers would say somebody in that top five is gonna play well tomorrow. So I just don't think all five people are gonna back up. The weather should be fine. I think it's gonna be a shootout. I think I think you're gonna I, wouldn't be surprised if somebody shoots two or three under to win the whole thing out of that group of five players. Um, you know, I, I I think the round of the day was I saw several one unders. I don't think I saw anything else, but the one unders were Rob Kinder from Christopher Newport, Andrew Kibbe from Willamette, and Andrew Abel from Illinois Wesleyan. So. That was great. I know James Mishuv was under early, but he had three bogeys on the back back nine and no birdies. So he was three under through the front nine with Eagle in the ninth and then just couldn't make another birdie coming in. He's currently tied for 18th. Uh, Max Schwartz from Emory had a, had a good day, a, a 72. So, you know, it was nice to see some of the guys who we have kind of talked about all year play well today, but it just, you know... It's been an interesting, kind of an up and down week for several of them, but I think your winner tomorrow comes out of the top five group. It'll be very interesting because you're going to get Illinois, Mitchell, Morton, and Chi are all going to play play with each other, so they are going to be that last pairing out tomorrow. So you got three of the four guys tied for the lead that are going to all be staring at each other. Wietrich's going to be a, a group ahead. Um, with Cooper Raybrack, who's you know only three back of the leaders, so that'll be you're going to have five of the top six guys in the final two groups tomorrow, which is not always the case. Um, Will Hawker actually might have the best chance because he's going to be teeing off much. You know, he's not going to be amongst those 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 groups, so he has a chance to kind of go hide on the other side of the course and go play his game. And go fire a low one and let those guys kind of battle each other out. So that kind of be like, can he can Will get in and post a score? You know, before everybody else kind of gets out on the golf course. Uh, well, actually, no, that he's not. They're playing at the same time. They're just off on the other tees. So Webster, Mary Harden, Baylor, and Renzelar Polytechnic are off on the other, um, starting on ten, the same time as Illinois Wesleyan and Methodist. That's interesting. So he'll be on the other side of the golf course. But he'll be at the same time, so he won't get the chance to kind of get out in front and post a score and have, give those guys something to shoot at. So they'll, they'll all be watching at the same time. So the golf stat live scoring will be really important for for everybody to be either be keeping track of Will or for Will to be keeping track of the other, the other top players. All right, so tomorrow, final round, both tournaments. It'll be exciting to watch. You know, we will come on and do, do a, a full download um, putting out the request now. If you win national championship, we want you to come on. Want the whole team to come on D three golf guys, and, and we'll give e- equal time and probably an entire episode to both the ladies champion and the the men's champion. So, if you're listening to this and you win nationals, 
expect a call from me. I'm reaching out. I want to have you on and talk about everything that we can talk about. Again, looking forward to tomorrow. You know, can Illinois Wesleyan keep keep the distance between them and win a, essentially back to back national championships with the gap year in between that for COVID? Can Carnegie Mellon hold off the juggernaut that's been Methodist all year? Uh, can George Fox get back into it on the ladies' side? So, some really compelling storylines. We're I'm excited to watch as we get in there tomorrow. So, with that, we'll say hit them straight. Cheers. Mm-hmm.